Over in the speaking world, we have a saying that is, the more they laugh, the more money you make. And there really is something about entertaining your audience, whether you're the speaker or a writer. That's right. I am obsessed with wordsmithing and copywriting. And that's why I've brought on today a special guest, Justin Blackman, to talk all about copy and his WTF formula. And also, what's this is what we end up discussing and talking about, the similarities between stand-up comedy and writing. That's right. You're going to love this episode. You're listening to Be In Demand the podcast for honest advice, inspiring stories, and ideas for growing your business by leveraging the expert that you are. I'm your host, Loria Mirabito, business mentor, and I'm also a reformed painfully shy girl, red wine lover, and exercise enthusiast. Join me as I share how being positioned as the expert in your industry, even if it's a busy one, will help you stand out and be the one in demand to hire and work with. And hello, everybody. I have such a wonderful treat for you today. I have a special, special guest, Justin Blackman. Let me tell you a little bit about him, and you're going to really, um, so that you get as excited to um, hear what he has to say as I am about what we're about to do here. Justin Blackman is a copywriter who goes overboard. You know, in 2017, he wrote 10,000. 211 headlines. Let me just repeat that one more time. 10,211 headlines for 100 brands over 100 days, just for fun. (laughs) And so since 2018, he's written copy for more than 329 entrepreneurs and dozens of brands using an ultra-specific voice mirroring process called brand ventriloquial. Oh my God, Justin, I can't even say that word, ventriloquial. Ventriloquism. Thank you. You know, he currently runs two writing programs called the Codex Persona, which trains writers how to measure and emulate a client's voice and write more personality or a quick and quirky workshop that teaches people how to add punch, power, and pop to their everyday writing. And you can find him at prettyflycopy.com where he creates ultra-specific voice guides for industry experts and growing businesses and talks a lot about Muppets. So (laughs) welcome, Justin. Thanks, I forgot about that last part. But it's true. I do talk a lot about Muppets. Tell me more about that. Let's just start there. Well, and, uh, if, if you're watching the video, you'll see I've got Super Grover back there. And it's funny. That's always been a big part of my my life, my childhood, just all the Jim Henson movies and, and things like that. And, you know, like you're, even on my desk, I've got Statler Waldorf and I got a whole bunch of stuff right over here. But it's just always been something that makes me happy and I kind of surround myself with it. And uh, it just sort of worked its way into my brand. Very nice. And Super Grover is my unofficial mascot. And I'm kind of known as the guy that has Super Grover over his shoulder when he talks. And he's like, like the, the good angel and then and the bad devil on my shoulder. If I, yeah. when I'm standing, <laughs> it's positioned like just right. It's, uh, but yeah, it is. And the guitar. Yep. Yep. And I got Dr. Teeth over there and. Yeah, just uh, Star Wars, Jim Henson, Muppets, all things, 
I'll think George Lucas and Jim Henson are a big part. I love it. Love it. Um, so before, before I start with some of the questions that I have for you, I'd love to know something that you're super proud of. Hmm. Uh, something I'm super proud of. I have a ridiculous wealth of knowledge of 80s music. Um, <laughs> What's wrong know. with that? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, I guess it's a good thing. Um, I tend to be the person, well, before... For the internet, <laughs> I was always the person that people called when they had a song stuck in their head and be like, "What? What is this? Who's this guy? What's this by? Uh, who sang it? When did it come out?" And I would, uh, I'd always know it. I will say I've, I've let a lot of that knowledge seep out of my head since Google is readily at your fingertips. So I question myself a little bit more, but uh, I was I was basically Spotify before, or uh, not Spotify, Shazam. I was Shazam. Before. Yes, Shazam. Yep. Yeah. So you'd be great to play Trivial Pursuit with like the, yeah. the music, the music yeah. one. Okay. <laughs> I'm really good at bar trivia too. Wow. Okay. That's really good to know. Yeah. Um, and the other question that I have for you before we like dive into a little more copy is looking back on your childhood and your education, were there any red flags about like where you are today? Red flags. Um, and when I say red flags, I don't mean them like in a bad way. I'm just like, 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 just like looking back and like, oh, like, yeah, I remember like when I had, when I did this project or something, I, I, or I was always thinking of entrepreneurism or always writing. I don't know. So uh, I didn't put this all together until pretty recently, but a lot of my, like what I liked reading the most as a kid was, uh, was comic books. And I didn't realize till later, but uh, when I was creating the course about like why I write the way I do, it had to do with, in comic books, the, the people express their inner monologue. Like they basically have to say it out loud so the reader knows what they're thinking. So uh, it's little things like the, the ums and ahs, which you eliminate in like better writing, more traditional writing. But they keep that in in comic books, so it lets the feelings go. Especially with like a character like Spider-Man or someone that's in a costume and a mask. Um, those little elements that let you know what what the character is feeling. That it's always written out, and I didn't realize till later that I actually do that. And it's it's a part of who I am. It's um, and I, like moving forward. I remember in high school. I wrote something for somebody and they said, Oh my God, you write exactly like you talk. Like I can hear you in your writing. And it's because of that. It's because I put in my inner monologue, usually in like parenthetical asides or sort of break, break character from the writing. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it, it finds its way onto the paper. And I'd say that those are some of the early indicators that I was doing something a little different. Oh, I love that. That's, that's, that's super interesting. I'm, and um, I'm just always fascinated in people's paths, how they got to where they are right now. But um, this whole, we're going to go back to the headline project so that people understand this a little bit more. You know, you wrote a hundred headlines for a hundred days, again, for fun, you know, like how, why <laughs> you gotta, you gotta tell, tell the listeners why and how, and the other part that I'm really interested in is, how like walk me through that how you did that that thought process <laughs> so um the short answer is i was too dumb to say no 
the, the longer answer was when I was writing my homepage, like my own website for the first time, I was really struggling to figure out what I did differently. Mm-hmm. And my homepage was, was the headline was pretty basic. Like you can Google any copywriter and mine was no different from them. Mm-hmm. And I was in a, uh, a writing group. It's called the, the Copywriter Club Accelerator. And the host of it, uh, her name is Kira Hug, had challenged me to come up with a better headline. And I was like, all right, well, how much should I do? She's like, write 10. So I wrote 10 and they were garbage. She's like, write 20. So I was like, 20 total? She's like, no, write 20 more. So I wrote 20 more, still didn't get it. And we kept going and we kept going and she kept pushing me until like, I think I was at 70 and she's like, write 100. And I think I wound up with like 126. And she's like, oh my God, you did it. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? She's like, I, I didn't think you could actually do it. I was just pushing you. <laughs> and I was like, it really wasn't that hard. She's like, could you do more? I said, sure. So we came up with a, uh, a program uh, basically as a way to find my power and to get, my, to get me out there as a way of looking at messaging differently. Mm-hmm. basically attacking a problem from all angles and coming up with different hooks and different themes and just playing and working around it. And uh, it came up with the idea of writing a hundred headlines a day for 100 days. And uh, I was too dumb to say no, as I mentioned. <laughs> and that's really what put me on the map. On the map. Um, I just started doing it. I didn't do a ton of research. I just came up with a couple of templates that I would use uh, which eventually became ingrained in my head. And on some days I could write a hundred headlines without actually looking at the template. Um, a lot of times I would write like the first few days, I kind of stuck close to the template. Then I little by little just weeded out things that I didn't like found areas that I did went deeper, worked different themes, combined different headline templates and different styles. Um, and again, I wasn't reading a lot about this. I was just, I would find a, a topic I would do like five minutes of research and then I would just go. And I was also working a full-time job as I did this, plus doing some freelance on the side. So essentially I was doing this during my lunch break. Um, so not only would I have to write a hundred headlines, I would also have to post, create a blog post for it and then post that. So it was, I started out with a, I did like six days of it to see if I could, if I could maintain it. And I did it and I was like, all right, you know what? I did six days. I could do a hundred was stupid thinking, <laughs> but I did. Um, all told, I actually did take a couple of days off. So I think it was 106 days total. It was hundred days of posting, but 106 days to write it. Um, got really burnt out, uh, hated it about halfway through. Um, got really good at it. <laughs> um, and it's funny when I did that, I actually didn't make any money doing the headline project. I didn't do it for, for profit. But it was something that got me attention. It uh, got me some guest blog post appearances. Mm-hmm. People were talking about it. People wrote about it. And I became known as the headline guy for a while. It's, it's fantastic. And I've read some of those headlines just because I had to. And you know, I, I did this a while ago just so I could see like 100 headlines about X. Yeah. And I'm going to make sure that we um, that we include that down in the show notes so that you can go and take a peek at this because um, and some of them are hilarious. <laughs> I had a lot of fun. <laughs> some of them are like, um, really? <laughs> <laughs> some were fun. 
Some were terrible. But I will say out of the 100 that I wrote every day, the best I think I ever did is if I found 18 lines that were usable. The rest were garbage. They were just working through the process, but you had to dig through the garbage in order to find the gold. Right, right. Um, it's, it's, I mean, would you call it like, you know, kind of like, like warming up? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, the problem is when people say write 10 headlines, which is sort of like the, the standard, they say that with, any, with anything, write 10 headlines. Mm-hmm. The problem is people try to write 10 great headlines and it's really hard and it's taxing and burns you out. It's stressful and you feel awful. What I started doing was not trying to write 100 great headlines. I wasn't even trying to write 10 good ones. I was just trying to write 10 headlines. And it was how to blank, how to blank without blank, how to blank without blank for people who want to blank, just garbage. And it it got me okay with not being good Mm -hmm. and just let me play. And then eventually just let my brain create until I found something that was interesting. And then I went and I reworked that nugget in from different angles. Wow. I love it. Love it. That's, and so I'm curious, like how you said you did it during your lunch hour. So would it literally take you an hour to write a hundred? On my best day? Yes. On my worst days, it took three hours. Wow. Again, full-time job. (laughs) Uh, So I would write most of them. If I could get 60 to 70 on my lunch break, I was good. And then I would keep the document open and the rest of the day, just like lines would stir in the back of my head and I'd come up with something and then just open up the doc and, and write down three or four more. Then when I got home, I would, uh, I'd finish it out and post it. So like I said earlier, some of them are hilarious. Thanks. So what's the similarity, be- <clears throat> excuse me, between copy and stand-up comedy? So at the time, stand-up comedy has always been a passion of mine. And I'm, I'll say flat out, I am not a stand-up comic. I study the art. I watch a lot of it. I do write some, but I've only been on stage once. So I'm not a stand-up comic, but I love the art of it. And when I started studying copywriting, um, I I was already familiar with a lot of rules of copy, but uh, with comedy. And then I saw that like, if you were to make a Venn diagram of, comedy rules and copywriting rules, you would have a circle. The, the rules are identical. You need to write tight. So it's about word economy. With, um, say, stand-up comedy, you have five minutes. So you want to get in as many jokes as possible. The more good jokes you have, the, the funnier they are. Um, so you cut out extra words. So your writing gets tighter and you get to the punchline quicker. Um, another element with stand-up comedy is the last word of the sentence should be the funniest. You want to end on a power word. One, the jokes are just funnier that way. And two, it also stops, it gives you a natural resting place. So if the audience laughs, you can take a pause and you're not talking over the laugh. Um, and then there's um, just the cadence and the rhythm. Uh, a lot of great comics, when you listen to them, they have this natural, um, the speech pattern where it's like sometimes a punchline or set up punchline and then you can revisit it and hit it another way. So like a tagline, um, sometimes it's like one liner, one liner, one liner, like a Rodney Dangerfield type thing. But comedies, uh, comedians tend to, to find a pattern that they like and just recycle that pattern for the whole set. 
copywriting is also about patterns and finding out your your flow and your your cadence and the rhythm to your writing. There's a lot of overlap. Yeah, I, apparently. I thought it was going to be a short answer, but it's like <laughs> there's so much to it. Yeah. And you know that I come from the professional speaking world. And yep. in the speaking world, we have this saying, the sure, more yeah. you can make them laugh, the more money you make. Yeah. So would you agree with that? Because you're like, I I read your emails and they're hilarious. Oh, well, thanks. Um, There's a line. I I can't remember the guy who said it, but it's uh, the the height of listening comes after a laugh. And that it's entirely true with writing, with, uh, with, with public speaking, with really anything after a laugh. Like if you watch a Ted talk um, after someone makes a joke, they laugh and then the room goes silent and all eyes are on the speaker. Yeah. It shocks your brain to saying, all right, something different is happening. I need to pay attention because I want to focus to hear what's happening. And that's when you have them. They are just eaten out of the palm of your hand. And whatever you say next is going to carry so much more weight than if you had just sort of led up to it with a, with a, a natural pace. Oh yeah. So true. So true. So this whole answer kind of leads really in nicely to your ventriloquism. Ventriloquism. (laughs) It's as hard to spell as it is to say. Yeah. So so talk about the, um, what you came up with because it's WTF words, tone and phrases. Frequency. Frequency. Phrases starts with a P. Come on. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Why. I think I just had phrases in my head or That's something. Okay. So, so the, this is me being playful with it. It's the brand ventriloquist framework is words, tone, and frequency. WTF. So WTF is your voice. Um, what that's actually based off of is something that we teach in the Codex Persona, which is vocabulary, tone, and cadence, which is a little more structured, but mine's funnier. So, um, but it's the same thing. So vocabulary is the level of words that you use. So, uh, you can grade vocabulary, anything from like first grade to third grade is like basic third grade to fifth is moderate. And then fifth grade and above is more advanced. And it sounds like you shouldn't like, why would you want to speak at a first grade level? That's for six year olds. I write at a second grade level consistently. I rarely go above three. I almost never go above four. If I do, it's because I'm writing for something more technical and it has bigger words. But I I use simple sentences and it's not that I'm treating my audience as dumb. It's that I don't want them to burn calories to try to understand what I'm saying. I just write it as simple as possible. Um, when you get to more technical and industrial uh, and like say collegiate levels, um, you start to sound like a term paper and you have to pay attention and you have to lean in and you have to figure out what the message is. And you start to try to make yourself sound smart, mm-hmm. but readers get bored and it looks, it becomes work to read it. So the easier it is to read, the easier it is to understand. So that's your vocabulary level. Your tone are the emotions that you use. Um, I tend to have a, <laughs> Uh, more of a, a happier type vibe. Um, but I also, it like when I'm, if I'm making jokes, the jokes are usually cast inward where I'm the butt of the joke. I don't make jokes to the audience to diminish them because that becomes rude. So there are aggressive sounding tones. Um, there's fear, there's joy, there's anger, there's sadness. 
all these different elements that you can actually measure. And there are, there's AI tools that you can use to measure these things to figure out what your views are about the situation. And like, if you look at the headline project when I'm talking about that, I'm burnt out and I'm stressed. So there's actually like a, a softer, like almost a downtrodden type nature to that when I'm writing. Um, so the tones are very different as opposed to now where I figured it out and I kind of joke about it and I'm softer with it. I'm, I'm just more silly with it. <laughs> so uh, mostly because I'm happy I'm done with it. So there's a <laughs> there's this joy. Um, and then there's the cadence, which is that rhythm of your writing. Like I write short and choppy. My average sentence length is eight to 10 words. A lot of, uh, when you hit the more professional sounding level, the words, the sentences can be 22 to 30 words long, which is really long compared to an eight word sentence. Uh, you're talking two to three, three to four times the length of the sentence, which looks very different on paper. Yeah. So by figuring out those three elements of how somebody writes, what the vocabulary tone and cadence, I can change my style to match theirs and have everything be much closer than if I were just trying to make it up as I go along. That's just fascinates me, you know, like copy just fascinates me anyways. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I've, I've heard um, so much, you know, people saying like, you should write at a, and I heard like, you know, seventh grade level. Mm -hmm. And I'm just hearing what, what you're saying now. It's like, well, seventh grade, like, you know, maybe that's, that's more of like, in your opinion, that's more of the technical stuff. Seventh grade is the most that I would go. Uh, what happens after seventh grade is, conversion begins to drop off. Um, people tune out and they might not finish the, the work. So basically one to seven, you're okay. Seven, I usually try to bring down for some people, but if that's like, if I'm writing for you and you consistently write at the seventh grade level, I don't want to bring you down to first grade level because that's not going to sound anything like you. Even if I get the tone and cadence right, the vocabulary is going to be completely off. Mm -hmm. If you write at a seventh grade level, that's fine. I'm not telling you to try to fix it. When I'm, if I'm writing for you, I just know that I need to write at a seventh grade level. Right. So how do I, like as the entrepreneur, know what, what grade I am, so to speak? So uh, there's a tool called the Hemingway app. And I think it's HemingwayApp.com. Um, it's free. There is a paid version. I, I'll be honest, I've never paid for it. <laughs> the free version works perfect. You can just jump your copy into there and it'll tell you um, what grade level you're writing at. Um, there are a bunch of different versions. Microsoft Word has one built in. Uh, Grammarly has a different version. So there are things called like the Flesh Kincaid score. It's basically just algorithms that tell you where you're going. Hemingway is the easiest one. It's based for like US grade school. So um, I know people overseas are like, what's seventh grade? Uh, <laughs> it doesn't quite, doesn't quite line up the same. Um, but that's the easiest tool to figure out. Okay. And you mentioned earlier about um, not insulting your reader. You're mm -hmm. not afraid of that. I mean, do you think that's possible to actually insult your reader? Oh, absolutely. Um, there are some people that thrive on it. And, uh, <laughs> but here's the thing. Some people can insult the reader and get away with it because mm -hmm. they're coming from an air of superiority to the point where the reader is like, holds them on a pedestal and they're like, but I want to learn to be like you. So tell me more. And there's, there's almost like a dominatrix <laughs> type uh, and submissive type vibe to it. So that can happen. It can be done intentionally. You're probably more concerned about like 
should I be concerned about it? <laughs> or like, <laughs> you might not mean it the same way that I'm talking about it right now. But um, yes, as far as that, it's, and this can actually be something very dangerous with, with writing with humor is like sarcasm, things like that might be misinterpreted as harsh and aggressive. Um, it's, <laughs> and it can be even like little playful things. Like there's a, <laughs> like this is going to sound bad but it's not it's like when I talk to my son when he makes mistakes sometimes I'm like you dummy and you know like I do it playful and he does it back to me it's it's what we do um if I write that without that playful tone without that relationship that's pre-established that like he knows I'm kidding and he's, he knows that he's allowed to do it back to mm-hmm. me it can be insulting and like whoa what just happened like you just made me feel bad about myself so you gotta you gotta be careful with that especially when using humor interesting yeah that's um and i have a tendency to be a little sarcastic too <laughs> yeah so there's actually uh, there was old like grammatical uh symbols that didn't make it through and there was one called a a sark mark which was like a type of uh i gotta remember exactly what it was but it had something to do with a an exclamation point. I think it might've been like an upside down exclamation point that let the reader know that like, Hey, this is sarcasm. (laughs) The sarcasm. Yeah. Yeah. So do I. (laughs) Um, There's also a lot of talk about like brand personalities. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been noticing a lot of this lately. You know, it's probably been around for a long time, but can you talk about like how brands should, you know, basically inject their personality into their writing? So this is my favorite part of copywriting okay. is brand personality. Um, and this is where tone really comes into play. With the Codex Persona, we break, we have nine different voice types. And one of them is the parent, which has this like warm and nurturing vibe to it. And there's like a, usually it's a, a motherly type. More, more females tend to be the parent. Um, it can absolutely be males in a fatherly role, but for the sake of this conversation, I'm going to say for a a more motherly vibe where it's this nurturing element where you're, uh, you're empathetic or sympathetic. So you're feeling with the person and you really care about them and your goal is to protect them from bad things. So your personality can be very loving, but it can also also have a foreboding nature to it because you're trying to protect them from the bad things. So you can talk about the bad things. Or if you go too far with that, and like you only want to talk about the bad things and you're well, we have an anti-establishment type vibe um, where everything sucks and this is bad and I need to protect you. So you're leading with the fear. So those personalities come across in the voice. Um, so there's, there's those types of personalities. And then it can be um, just whatever your personal uh, habits and, and hobbies are like, for instance, we already talked about how I love the Muppets and I know eighties music. So I put in a lot of memes and gifts in my emails and they're, I'm actually writing one right now and it has something from revenge of the nerds in it. So like my brand persona is that it's not going to be say star Trek. Uh, it might be star Wars, but it won't be star Trek and you can develop your personality and put it in there which creates a bond to readers that would be like, oh, I like that too. Um, so it, it could connect to their personality and identify them as someone that belongs in your, your stratosphere. Interesting. So, and things like that. 
So I guess like the, the question that I'm, I bet people are wondering is like, I don't know what my, that my brand personality, <laughs> like, I don't, like, I don't know if I should talk, like, I don't have the Muppets to talk about. Like, how do they, like, like, how do you, how do you guide people on, on like, well, Hey, what, let's talk about this. It's uh, so the, the challenge is, is most of us are taught to write like we did in grade school, like traditional journalism. Um, one of the rules of old journalism was if I could figure out what your stance or opinion was on the topic, then you failed as a journalist. It's supposed to be objective without putting yourself into it. So we're sort of trained to eliminate that. Now with online writing, <laughs> you read something because somebody wrote it and you like their style. So you lead with that. Um, it could be uh, it, it could be a political view uh, way of putting that in to attract your reader and to repel the other thing. And that's the thing. That's what people are scared about is when you start to put in your personality, you repel the wrong people and that's okay. You have to be willing to accept that. When I switched from writing headlines and then started focusing on voice, my audience changed. The people that wanted me to talk about headlines, I was done talking about headlines. I'd done it for a year and a half. Um, I'd said everything I wanted to. I was ready to move on. So I started talking more about brand voice and it turned off. Some of my writers like, why aren't you talking about headlines anymore? I was like, oh, it's because I've done it for 500 days. I'm, I'm good now. Uh, plus the hundred days of writing. So um, I had to be willing to lose those people and rebuild with when you put your personality out there, you're going to turn off some people. You are going to lose someone. It's, it's inevitable. But that's actually a good thing. It's a growth phase. And then you start to attract more people based off of that. And everybody has something. It could be uh, a love of crochet. <laughs> it could be swimming. It could just be something that you do as a hobby that you don't think is important to your audience, but it's important to you. Once you start dropping in those little elements, then it comes across. And you're talking about your family, your kids, your pets, anything like that. When you, when you let people into your life, rather than just what you do, then uh, that's the way that you start with your personality. And it builds that know, like, and trust. And I love how you said, I mean, you can't be afraid to like be yourself essentially, yeah. and you'll attract the right people. And you're right, you'll repel the other people. And I always say like those people who aren't your ideal clients, they actually make great people to refer others to you. That's a great point too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's, oh, that's, that's really interesting. Um, so I love to talk about platforms. What's your okay. favorite platform? So I have two different courses. Um, Codex Persona is on Kajabi and um, Write More Personality is on Podia. Um, I, with uh, Codex Persona, which is the voice training, that I'm a co-instructor in that. So that was set up by my partner in that. Uh, Abby Woodcock. And she had done all the background stuff. I came in, it was already built. Uh, I've just add, added content to it. Um, I have gotten a chance to play around in the background and it is very robust and you can do pretty much anything on it. Um, Podia, I built my platform on because uh, I wasn't entirely sure. Like, I was brand new to courses. Um, didn't know anything about it. <laughs> so did a little bit of research, uh, reached out to a few people that I know had some like entry-level prices. When I started Write More Personality, it was like 50 bucks. So I was like, I don't know if I'm going to make any money on this. So <laughs> I needed something cost-effective. I built it on that. 
it was really easy to set up. It was, it was a snap. I uploaded a couple of things. The text was all there. Um, great for beginners. The, the setup was fantastic. The pricing structure was great. Highly recommend it for beginners. Very quickly, I realized like from a copywriter perspective, the design and the layouts were very limiting. Um, and I've actually worked, I've spoken to a few other instructors, or copywriters, like some A-level copywriters that wanted to go on Podia and they're like, I can't make the sales page work on this. And because they, like one of the elements of like, with Podia is it shows the price right away. Um, with a more expensive course, you need to encourage the person as to why yeah. this is worth it as opposed yeah. to them saying like a thousand bucks, I'm not paying that and then just leaving. Right, right. So <laughs> there are a lot of um, design elements that are, are lacking on Podia. Yeah. Um, I've had chats with people on the other end, like, hey, is there any chance this is going to be fixed? Like, we're aware of the problem. It's, it might be addressed. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't love that element of it, but it is really easy to use. Um, it's been relatively seamless. <laughs> So and with your two courses, um, are they just DIY courses? Do you have like some sort of coaching with them? So there are upgrades available for both of them. Mm -hmm. So I, with uh, Codex Persona, we have something called Codex Academy where I walk you through the course and I build a voice guide with you and train you on voice personally. Um, Write More Personality has just a, it's like, an hour and a half of recorded content plus a few recorded calls where you can watch over my shoulders. I write. Um, and then there's personality or Academy where I have uh, this private Facebook group. And then every month we have either a guest expert or copy calls where I go in and I, I look at people's copy and, and make changes. Uh, Priceless. <laughs> and we'll um, have information and links to both of those down in the show notes also. Um, but I know that you have a gift for my listeners. Can you talk more about that? So uh, I've got, we were doing the voice one, right? The, I've got two. I think we were doing the voice one. <laughs> so, I think you're right. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Just, sorry, I had to think about that for a second. So um, yeah, we had, uh, if you go to prettyflycopy.com slash voice, I will have a... Uh, the tools that I was talking about with uh, vocabulary, tone, and cadence, I'll give you a quick rundown on those and give you three free tools that you can use to measure your voice to figure out what your writing sounds like, if there's anything that you want to adjust or change. Uh, yeah, it's a free download and uh, comes with that. And you also get my welcome sequence, which has 93 ways to punch up your email signatures, your sign-offs, um, which are just fun ways. Of, that's actually a really easy way to drop in your personality and with a movie quote or song quote or something like that. Definitely. You guys get that one. Cause I think I have that one. It's fun. <laughs> yeah, it is a, a lot, lot of good fun. comments on there. Yeah. And prettyflycopy.com is where people can find you. Where else can people yeah. find you? So I'm on uh, most of socials at, uh, at pretty fly copy, um, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, and uh, my course is at justinblackman.com or the codexpersona.com is the, is the voice training one. Wonderful. And so I have two other fun questions for you, Justin, and they Very are, hard. what books are on your nightstand? 
Uh, right now, I've been reading Judd Apatow's Sick in the Head for probably about a year and a half. <laughs> there are uh, transcriptions of interviews that he's held with stand-up comics um, since he had a radio show when he was in high school. Um, so I flipped through that one and read it in between other books. So it takes a real long time to read it. But uh, yeah, that, that's what's on my nightstand at the moment. Wonderful. And one, one last question, which is, what is one or two pieces of advice you wish you had years ago? Um, you're not supposed to get it right the first time. Oh, I love that one. <laughs> <laughs> you're supposed to make mistakes. That's how you learn. That's how you get better. And that's how you figure out your way. Mm-hmm. I love that. Thank you. So this has been so much fun. I totally appreciate this. Um, even, even, even the parts that the damn words that I couldn't even say. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough word. Yeah, it is. But this has been a, a lot of fun. Um, hope you're enjoying this um, here on YouTube or if you're listening to this on my podcast, but, um, and all the links to everything that we talked about will be down below. Have a nice great day. Thanks for hanging out with me. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And join me over in my private Facebook group for more tips, community, and free trainings. You'll find the link in the show notes. You can also help this podcast reach more listeners by leaving a review. And as a thank you, each month I pick one of my reviewers to win a free coaching call with me. So if you haven't done so already, please leave a review and you could be the next winner.